If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, for the first 30 minutes, Justin, Adam, and myself have some we fun. We talk crazy. Com- we have a good time. We First, we talk about what happens when machines take over our jobs. Oh, we're all <laughs> fucked. They're taking their jobs. Adam's scared. Uh, we talk about the fear of change and the need to adapt, the change in the auto and movie industries. And then we mention our, 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 one of our sponsors, Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a place that you can go online. Uh, you can get access to organic, non-GMO foods for the same prices as their conventional counterparts. Literally, I'm not exaggerating, the prices are that low. Now, the way they can do this is by eliminating a lot of the middlemen, and there's a membership fee. However, if you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash mindpump, you're going to get one month of a free membership, plus $20 off your first three orders of $49 or more, and free shipping uh, for uh, for orders of $49 or more. So, Basically, all that stuff for free, and you just get a bunch of uh, lower prices. So it's an excellent, excellent place to go. It's one of our favorite sponsors. Again, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash mind pump. And then we get into the questions. The first question was, somebody asked us if we've ever heard of cutting weight apparel. Uh, what are our thoughts on things like miracle was wear? Was it one of your arms or something? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, then somebody asked us uh, if there was any benefit to training beyond 10 to 15 reps. Like, can you build muscle in the higher rep ranges? You're obviously not- Isn't that called jazzercise? Owner of MAPS Anabolic Phase 3. The next question was, somebody's asking us what kind of leg workouts they can do because they have bad knees. Their knees hurt when they do lunges and squats, and they can't kneel for very long. Justin can do that for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, They'd actually lost a lot of weight uh, (laughs) as well. big kneeler. So we talk talk a little bit about uh, possible imbalances there, how to correct them and what methods they should take so that they can do squats and lunges. And finally, uh, how would we incorporate plyometrics as a prescription for clients? Find out in this episode. Also, I'd like to talk to you guys about our Sexy Athlete Bundle. Now, we created the Sexy Athlete Bundle because we have two very popular programs. We want people to be sexy. Right, that's right. And we want them to move better too. Yeah. We have two very popular programs. There's Math Performance, which is really designed for the athlete at heart. It's designed to train someone to improve just just their full spectrum of athletic performance. We also have something called MAPS Aesthetic. MAPS Aesthetic is a program designed for people who simply want to look really good. It's like for your bodybuilders or your bikini competitors or your physique competitors or people who just want to look like that. Well, what we've done with this bundle is we've taken both programs discounted them because you're going to get both of them and melded them so that you get the best of both worlds. This is for those of you that definitely want to sculpt certain parts of your body, get that symmetrical aesthetic physique, but also love to be really athletic uh, when you play sports. You want to be able to jump and run and climb and, and move. So you want to move good and you want to look good. Well, that's the Sexy Athlete Bundle. Again, it's both programs, MAPS Performance, MAPS Aesthetic, discounted, I believe over 20% off and modified so that you can combine the two. You can find that program at mindpumpmedia.com. It's uh, called Jet It's called Jet Smarter. I'm glad I came up with that idea. Yeah. And you know, you can you can buy a single yeah. seat for like $2500. So and fly fly a private jet, you know, versus having to pay the whole private jet to do that, which is normally like a $20,000 trip or more. Still $2500. Yeah, but if you're going somewhere like possibly New York or something like that, where you'd probably be spending eight hundred to a thousand anyways, and then now you're a thousand more dollars. And you how much is a first class ticket anyway? It would be that, but that much. So it's like equivalent hmm. to a fir- to first class. But now you're in a on a jumbo jet that's, that's far safer. Pretty awesome. <clears throat> it is like Uber for planes, though, huh? Yeah. People are renting everything out now. That's so much better because then I mean, owning one of those things is fucking ridiculous. Can you guys just see, like, behold the decentralizing power of the internet? Behold. (laughs) Beholden. (laughs) I feel like you're Moses or something. (laughs) Behold. Behold. The power of the internet. It's decentralizing everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. You know, I don't know. Where where are we going to be in 10, 15 years? And at what point does the government say, "Uh uh-uh? They can't. Hmm. It's too late. 
Yeah. You think so? You can't. You can't. How do you get the toothpaste back in the tube when you fucking squeeze Unless it out? Unless they throw like a EMP bomb up in the fucking... The what? what? <laughs> Dang. They're the gatekeepers, man. <laughs> Doom and gloom. Just set, just, yeah. just depress set us everybody. back to the Stone yeah. Age? Yeah, exactly. No, man. They, they, they control all fake news, bro. Real quick, they could change the game. Yeah, they could. Well, they, they, if anyone could even put, news has been if anyone can put the toothpaste back in the tube, it's the government. If there's anybody that has the you know the, what res- I think? the resources to do that, you know what I think sometimes because here's what I think because you know that uh, a lot of the money that goes into research and science is, is through the government, right? That's why they just they'll and because they it's in their best interest to discover new things and whatever, especially for the military. But you ever wonder how like what if social media platforms and all these devices and stuff that we use and the new iPhone with facial recognition. What if really it was just... Gathering information. It was the government partnering with these businesses That's or whatever. That's exactly what I think it is. And they're like, hey, how do we get... Dude, these businesses are the government. Whoa. <laughs> well, this is how... <laughs> this is how I believe that... Uh, <laughs> X-Files. <laughs> Apple, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> Google... They all have why they all are allowed to grow to what they're because in a sense in a sense they're they're starting to monopolize areas. I mean, you got Amazon. You know, Amazon right now is about to take out fucking UPS and FedEx and all those real soon here. Like you're about to see them take over all that shipping shit. And the way, of course, Jeff Bezos p- presented it was like, oh, we're just assisting yeah. the the DSL. Well, what are the what's the regulations on monopoly anymore? You know what I mean with these tech companies like absorbing like all these different like monopoly. So here's here's this is a big busy a huge misconception about markets. Monopolies are don't really exist in open free markets. They tend to exist when there are government regulations and controls that uh, limit entry into the market. So when people say you know monopolies this that and the other. You can clearly see that there was uh, intrusion mm. into the market and regulations and walls being put up to pr- protect, uh, you know, businesses through the, of course, the unholy alliance between business and, and, and government, and that is what causes monopolies. Otherwise, what you have is this: let's say you have a company like I don't know, like let's say a company owned. Well, wasn't like PG&E one of them or like like one of the power companies had to get split up because they were um, getting into too many... Very regulated, extremely yeah. regulated market. It is not an open market. Okay. It's, yeah, not at all. So it would be like if a company owned, I don't know, all the food production, I guess, mm-hmm. and if they weren't serving the consumer's needs best... Yeah. Then, then you would have competitors would come in and, and you know and create Amazon, Google, and Apple are not going after those markets. They're going after more like think about it. Like what the way they'll take over the shipping market is they'll go in and they'll just do it better for cheaper. Yeah. Which they'll is just, which, which which is great for us. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I'm not know, complaining about. And I'm look, just wondering like when the government will want to step in and be like, and, ah, well, and look course, how fast shit tra- tra- of course, changes. Of course, we don't because we don't have family members or ourselves that work for you know, UPS and they've been working there for 20 years of their lives and they have a retirement all set up and everything like that. Yeah. Those people are fucking freaking out and are absolutely hate. It's companies. still, it's still, but it's yeah. of course on the individual basis, you're going to find some people that get hurt by this, but on a whole, it's much better. It's like, it's like when cars got invented, all the wagon makers, you know, went out of business. Well, you know, it's terrible. It, yes. But- and no, yes. And no, because we're at a different time now because I mean, we, we, AI is around the corner and companies like Amazon are heavily vested in robotics and the, the, the vision is to build these things out and to mm-hmm. eliminate people's mm-hmm. jobs. So mm-hmm. it's not like they yeah, might be, they might grow a market and it potentially could, we might be shipping more faster for cheaper, which in turn in the olden days, who's like going to buy, who's going to buy the products? Huh? If we're all broke, who's going to buy the product? I know, it's this weird. is, this is a huge misconception in economics that, we're going to, uh, it's going to decimate jobs. We're not going to have any work. Like, let's just think about that for a second. Let's say we go into the future where AI and machines do all of our labor for us. You know what else? Is, there's, there's another name for that. It's called utopia, which yeah. would be great. Fuck, if all the robots did all the work for us and people are like, well, how, well, no one's going to have jobs. Well, who's going to afford to buy the products that the robots make? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And that's not how it works. What's happened as, and this was the prediction of, you know, Karl Marx, right? Of Marxism, that capitalism would result in or markets would result in no more jobs because it's going to be automated and 
The reality is the opposite. There's far more wealth, far more, because efficiency continues to increase, and that's what creates wealth. It's well, not- I can see that. It may, now it makes leaves opportunity for those same people that would have those jobs to do something else that's out there that, to grow a whole new market. Exactly. Right? Or, or again, if we do all of a sudden create this future where, where machines do all of our work for us, well, fuck. Now it's now literally be creative. Yeah, you know, it's literally that would literally be a utopia. It's like all entertainment and like creativity based. That'd be amazing. It'd be it'd be it'd be wonderful. Yeah. So I, I, this fear, it's it's a classic uh, and it's a knee jerk reaction type of fear. It's like, uh, you know, like the taxi you know drivers being afraid of Uber or, you know, anytime competition comes in, people freak out, especially when innovation comes in. But so far, every single time we've done that things have gotten better. The Industrial Revolution definitely killed a lot of farming jobs. Like, like before the Industrial Revolution, a good chunk of Americans were farmers. A very good chunk of Americans did farming. When the Industrial Revolution came around, a lot of those jobs were lost, but were we left with a bunch of unemployed farmers? No, we, were, we actually created more wealth and opportunity for a lot more people. Today, you know, something like 1% of Americans are farmers, and yet they produce... Like how many more times, you know, tons of food. The, the only challenge that I have with that is that, you know, and you're right, if we can go back in history and we can talk about all those times is we are now supplementing the uh, population with AI, though. That's different. It's it, you, what you're saying makes total sense when it's people versus people and new markets open up. And so now new jobs open for those people. And so Industrial Revolution puts out a bunch of farmers, but now they have all these new tech type jobs that they didn't have 30 years before. Where now we're evolving to where those those same jobs may potentially be taken over by not humans. So, mach- so they're, they're machines just, have been taking humans' jobs for a long well, time. Well, you know, yes, but not to the rate where we're, where we're at now. Uh, it's always going to be. I mean, think about it this way: think of all the jobs that existed before the industrial revolution. Think of all the jobs that people had. Right, all the you know, like you had to dig holes, you had to use like shovels and pickaxes. Yeah, if plow you had to fields. Plow and, fields. Yeah. Like, all those jobs don't exist anymore. Yeah, they, new jobs were created. New opportunities were created. Gas-powered machines. All those and, things were done by uh, by a machine. Like, look at how cars are made. You know, cars used to be made by people. Now you've got machines making cars. Does the automobile industry employ less people now? No. And it's created far more wealth uh, yeah. as a result. Maybe it's just we don't know what it looks like yet. That's you know? it. Yeah. That's, and as it's, far it's, as the jobs. That's like, it. And it's yeah. scary. And every time yeah. uh, there's a lot of uh, change, people freak out because we don't know what that looks like. So if someone tells me, well, I'm you know, if I'm a personal trainer and then uh, someone says, oh shit, here's this robot that can personal train people. Like I'm going to freak out because I'm like, oh my God, like I'm a personal trainer. My job's going to be gone. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to reinvent yourself, reinvent, yeah. change and innovate, but it's not going to create. Well, it kind of reminds me of like how <clears throat> I, I know some trainers that see things in numbers, right? And it's all binary, like the way that, um, you know, it's on paper, you know, you do X amount of sets and X amount of reps and it's like, Everything is very like, you know, structured based off of like performance and, you know, these type of metrics when, you know, there's just so many other variables that are more powerful to go off of. But like a machine isn't going to like really catch up to that. I don't think initially. Well, maybe they will. We I mean, what we're currently doing right now is a a major pivot in the fitness industry because we all believe I mean, part of what motivated us when we all got in the room together was that we believe that this the fitness industry is completely changing right now and we're in the middle of it and we want to be on the front end of it. We want to be actually a part of the movement and the change because the, the day of just any old Joe Schmo starting up his own little gym business and training clients out of there. Joe Schmo, that's my friend. It's dying. It's not, it's not, it's, he's going to get eaten alive by the guy or the girl who has, you know, built authority for themselves through social social media or any other sort of medium type of platform for them to get their voice out there and reach people. And th- they can provide almost as good of a service, you know, without even being there virtually with, with the amount of the ability to give the amount of information that we can seamlessly, you know, over our phones or the internet, like you're going to see our jobs and our, and we could easily sit back, make good money doing what we do, what we've done our entire lives, or we can kind of predict and see where this is going and make sure it's we like stay you, ahead it's, of it. You can be, you can be afraid of change, which I totally understand, especially as you get older, if you've been doing things for a certain way for so long, especially with your business, it can be scary to realize that, uh-oh, the phone book is no longer, I, I've gotten all my leads through the phone book for the last you know 20 years, but the phone book is now disappearing and it's all going to be through the internet. Now I can freak out about that and be like, my business is dead because the phone book is gone. Or I can realize 
there's another opportunity to reach far more people. Like the phone book, however effective it was, for example, does it even come close to the effectiveness of what we can do now in terms of reaching people? Not even close. Social media is a great example in the sense that it costs nothing to, to, to do stuff on social media or almost nothing. Whereas before, to advertise in a newspaper, even a small ad costs money. And you, and you would only guarantee that you know, you'd reach so many people and out of that, such a small percentage would read it and it was within a certain area or locale or whatever. Now, it's crazy. Now, you can specialize even more with your business. You know, like if I open in the past, if you know, you go 30, 30 years ago, let's say I was into magnets. I loved magnets, the kind that go in refrigerators. Like that's my passion. Would I ever be able to open up a brick and mortar store that sold refrigerator magnets and succeed? <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> could I could I have a website online Absolutely. that specialized in it? Totally. So it's 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 scary because it's change and we don't like change, but the reality is it's fucking awesome. And what happens is currency is gonna change. Dude, what industry you know? what industries do you guys see changing the fastest? Which ones do you think are gonna move the fastest and change I think, the most? I think right it, now. I think when it comes to the heavily protected uh, areas of the market, and what I mean by protected is the ones that have laws that limit uh, competition. So Taxi drivers, yeah. hotels. Oh, I think the you know all those things. Food services, roads, everything. One at a time, right change. there. I think I think the automobile industry is going to be completely flipped on its yeah. head in totally. the next ten to fifteen years. Totally, completely flipped on its head. Totally. In fact, I It'll even be a novelty. I, I yes, I even believe that like the next generation coming up will probably mock people that still drive themselves places. No one's going to want to own... Yeah. Very few people in the future will own a car. It's not going to be... You've seen that decline already. I mean, yeah. with, with kids, it's like, why why get your license anymore? Like, what's the point? Yeah, you know, like it, everywhere. Even though we're like, it's freedom! You know, like that was like Dude, so revered when we were so kids. So I saw some estimates. I actually read uh, a very, very well thought out article on this with some experts, and they figured that when uh, automated cars or self-driving cars become the norm, that the average cost to travel with, an, with a, a self-driving car to work and whatever would cost the average person between one to $3,000 a year. Now, if you do the math on how much your car costs you for gas, maybe car payments, insurance, the space that it takes to park it in your garage or whatever, like you add that all up, you're saving a shit ton of money by just having some fucking automated car pick you up and drive you somewhere, yeah. and you're having a increase in productivity because now when I'm going to work, first of all, you can traffic, have a bigger place if you don't have a garage. You have oh, to know yeah. that that Google and Apple and these companies that are working on these self-automated cars right now oh. know that. Imagine, okay, because and we know too, like the the EFT model is like everybody is transferred over to that, right? Is this c consistent money every single month? You're gonna see this guarantee right where you're you're going, Sal is. You know, if whoever gets there first, Google or Apple or whoever gets the, the car first, it'll be like a, a membership thing. Either yeah. you pay a monthly fee that costs you 250 bucks a month, or you can pay the year up for three mm -hmm. or $5,000 and you have this little pass that probably just, and you can go Uber. You don't even need a pass. Google it's car. facial recognition. Right. It's just like the minority report. They're already there. Like they, all, it'll recognize your face. It'll know how much currency you have through, you know, whatever payment system is established with that. And then you just step in or it says, nope, you know, insufficient funds or something. So and I just think, think about, I, think so about I think, what the car is going to look like too. Like you're going to get into your car and it's no longer like, focused around the driver. You're going to step yeah. into a car and, oh, I got to drive two hours to this place. <laughs> you go in and it's a fucking office. You know what I mean? You're yeah. going to step into an office and do your work or you're going to have a meeting in there while you're going somewhere or, you know, uh, we're going out to dinner. Let's get in the car and they serve drinks in there. Like, Isn't it funny it's to be see crazy. like, Total Recall trying to do their rendition of it. They have some shitty robot like, uh, oh, hello. Uh, <laughs> it's like not even close. You know what I mean? Like they had the science fiction Sci-fi movies are always- oh, so great. They're always what we think the future is going to look like. Yeah. If you look at futuristic movies from like the 60s, uh, it's like these chrome fucking, you know, <laughs> you know, shiny. Thank you, Will Robinson. You're, you no. ever go to Futureland yeah. in Disneyland? They're going to look just like us, dude. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, wow. it's going to be God. creepy. It's going to look like another human it for is. sure. So I think automobile is actually going to take a little bit longer. What I see happening Yeah, because first, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. You're yes. Right. What I think will happen before automobile is I think we're going to see uh, the movie industry. And, oh, it's already, oh, yeah, it's already yeah. happening. That, like, that's, I mean, yeah. I was blown away by seeing uh, YouTube TV 
partnered up with the World Series. You see now, I've seen full length uh, t- trailers that would like be for a movie theater. Is actually mm-hmm. full length trailers on commercials now for Netflix. Netflix. Bro, just just yeah. look at the kids. Okay, I have two young kids. The other day, I went to the mall with my daughter because I promised her I'd take her out. And we'd have a father daughter day or whatever. So we're walking around. And she wants, God, I wish I remember, I remember the name of the store, Claire's. We have to go to Claire's. I didn't even fucking know what the store is. Anyway, Claire's. It's a, yeah, it's a store yeah, for- It's where all the jewelry and yeah, stuff Yeah, I don't is. know. How'd you know oh, that? Yeah, I, know, I, I know have you. sisters, bro. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so she's like, we got to go to Claire's. bedazzles his toes. Yeah. So we go to yeah. Claire's because she wants, I, she has my old- I think uh, I got my first ear piercing there. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So she has my old iPhone. Uh, she doesn't have it set up to service, but just so she can play games on and stuff, right? So- She's like, I want to get a new phone case, but we got to go to Claire. So we go there and I look at her phone and I hit the home button and there's a picture of like a little girl on there that I've never seen before. I'm like, who's this? And she's like, oh, she's my favorite YouTube star. I'm like, what? Like, what's her name? And I can't remember her name. She's like, it's so-and-so. I'm like, that's crazy. We go to Claire's. I swear to God, we walk into Claire's and there's a fucking picture of the same girl with a whole aisle dedicated to products that are made wow. or, or produced or whatever by this fucking Already YouTube merchandised star. around a YouTube You could ask person. my kids celebrities on Hollywood celebrities. They wouldn't even know them, but they tell you their favorite YouTube stars, and I'm already seeing them now in Crazy. stores. Well, so I just wa- I was just watching, um, I was on Apple TV, I'm clicking through, and my the new movies that just popped up to purchase, um, I can't think of the name of the movie right now, it just came out, but I clicked on it to watch the preview, and sure as shit, one of the main stars of the show is that kid Logan, whatever, who is a fucking YouTube guy who has like, you know, 10 million YouTube subscribers Crazy. and he's like 20 years old and he's now starring in his own movie. So they've now transitioned him from a YouTube star now into acting. So you're going to yeah. see, yeah, no, hundred percent. It's that it's, it's fucking, uh, it's crazy. And well, I, I mean, Bieber got started like that, right? Yeah. Like he got found on YouTube. Yeah. So. But I think it's going to be even more so like, I don't think. You like these record labels and all this stuff. It's gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to totally well it'll decentralize all of it like you said it hundred percent. I don't think we're gonna see superstars like we used to in the sense where you have no. Why would you ever think about this? Why would you ever pay? Tom Cruise or some you know old big actor or actress 20 million, 10 million 20 million dollars to rep your brand when I could get yeah. five kids that are more connected to the my my consumer Constantly engagement they, yeah exactly they're going to start really paying attention to how that converts and it converts way better with you know the constant communication well so we talked about this the other day so I watch I still um, have a subscription to the, like satellite dish or whatever so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch some stuff I, rec- I recorded uh, American dish or whatever satellite yeah. Do they even use dishes anymore? Is there still a dish? Yeah. Is there actually a dish still? I could never yeah. do it because I got it's like, redwood it's trees. Like this big. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, I watched American Horror Story, so I recorded it and I watched it. And um, we were watching it and I got up to get some tea because I was making some tea and so I wasn't where the remote control is to, to fast forward past the commercials. So the commercials come on and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I haven't seen commercials on TV for a long time. Yeah. And then I realized like, the one place where I'm for, where I'm forced to watch a commercial is on YouTube. The t- when you watch regular TV, nobody watches commercials on there anymore because you record it and you fast forward. Mm. Which right away that's a big problem because if if you can't if you're ad- if you're an advertiser, if you have a product and you know on TV oh, ain't nobody gonna so watch your nice, shit, though. <laughs> they're all gonna go to YouTube because YouTube controls. Well, it. You, what's happening right now is what we did, which oh. I remember turning Doug on to a long time ago. I saw it on Spike first, and I know we're the first ones I ever saw do it on YouTube. But now you're seeing big networks do that. Where, so they have to. at the World Series, it was like this. So you would be watching the game, and then all of a sudden the the, the game shrinks to a smaller screen, mm-hmm. and then the com- Bud Light commercial comes on. But I, I can still watch the game, but the commercial is running at the same time. Yeah. So that's how they're getting they're getting past that, right? So that that of course that's they. I saw a huge. I can't remember where I read this. I read some article. And I want to say it's like you know, ad, you know, ad sales and and stuff is down like fifty percent from television or whatever mm-hmm. since the introduction of TiVo and the you know DVR or whatever. It's it's cra- I think hotels yep. and restaurants are going to have to change quite a bit too. Uh, hotels in particular because people now you travel somewhere, it's getting easier and easier and more acceptable to just Airbnb or VRBO, you know, VRBO where you yeah. know I want to stay in New York City. I'd rather stay in a house. It's you know the price is better. It's in a great location. It's more personal or whatever. Same thing for restaurants. You know they have these apps now where you can go to a city and rather than finding different restaurants to go, you could go to someone's house. They'll cook for they'll you cook with you. other people. Yeah. I also saw it with the hotels. They've actually pivoted and started offering like our 
uh, by by the hour mm. to stay, which they never did because it's like that all that's all the hookers, yeah. yeah. And now they're allowing it. It's interesting. Well, it's I I really enjoy watching this because it's all. Uh, typically better for the consumer. You know, our sponsor Thrive Market is a fantastic example of this. They are, they took a problem, which was, you know, organic foods uh, are expensive, um, more expensive than conventional foods. They figured out a model that made it so that they could eliminate a lot of the middlemen and deliver, you know, these foods. Because sometimes I go on Thrive Market and I'll look at some, because I always shop organic, right? Yeah. I look at the prices and I really pay attention now and I'm like, geez, like this is a big difference. The price is a big difference. They've really figured figured that whole thing out. And then on top of that, because they want to be, they they know the consumer's more, you know, conscious about things like the environment, about helping people. Now it's become in their best interest to like, here's we give free memberships to lower income people. You know, we're we make sure everything's fair trade certified and all these other stuff. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool stuff to watch. I wonder how long we'll see until we see like a major competitor to them. Yeah. That's I what don't I know. That'll be interesting. I think Amazon. Well, what's interesting is now it it seems like like full transparency. Like they're already preparing themselves for the full transparency company, right? Because they're already thinking their way through like a lot of uh, problems in the world more than just uh, problems in their business. And so you you start to see like maybe that that could catch on with more of these businesses that get bigger and bigger, where they're actually thinking more about how is this going to hurt. Uh, you know, our company by not paying attention to, you know, the way that we waste our products and all these kinds of things. Like, cause people, people be able to research and see all the behind the scenes stuff now. It's a factor now. Yeah. It's a factor that you do. Now, when you buy something, people want to know that they're buying something that, you know, doesn't go against their values. Hmm. And before you kind of didn't really know how to do that, or well, at least wasn't important because it wasn't as much transparency, but now there's all these organizations that kind of monitor that and you can look at something and say, okay, this is fair trade certified or this is mm-hmm. the non-GMO you know, project it's, or whatever. It's, it's models like that, like Google, like Amazon star, like all of the star rating and stuff like that. That, so this, that book that I, I'm almost done reading right now that I absolutely love um, is dives into that, you know, the old days of uh, building a brand and building a name for yourself doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it's it's completely it's all about, about the ratings. The ra- yeah, it's all about the ratings. Like Between if you likes or stars, if you rank right? yeah. if you rank on Google and you rank on Amazon, it don't give a fuck about your branding and your logo. No. That shit doesn't out the window. The stuff that we that That's we used great. to isn't that put, great. That makes a lot of sense though. But well, isn't that great? Well, this was the hard thing that I know it was really tough for for uh, Taylor to hear this because you know we we bring him on board to to help with the branding of Mind Pump and cleaning things up and you know, telling the guy who has a lot of passion for branding and doing stuff like that, going like, bro, you better evolve because this shit's changing and it's changing really fast. And if you, people that are so hung up on trying to create this brand for yourself, it's like, nah, man, if you're, if you're ranking great on Amazon, you're getting five-star reviews. If you are at the top of Google's list and stuff like that, it don't fucking matter what you look like. If people are saying your shit works. It's like you have to play nice with all these platforms, you know what I mean? And really like study in what they're, uh, you know, parameters are and, and what you need to do to, to maintain that. Well, so the next level of that is because you still have people trying to hack that mm-hmm. and try to fuck with each other. Companies try to compete on Amazon. Everybody's you know, gaming it. Mike yeah. Matthews talked talked about this yep. and they're doing a good job. Amazon's doing a good job of trying to, you know, figure out when the, you know, the, the ratings may be fake and stuff right. like that. Put new algorithms but, out there. Well, here's what I think is going to happen, especially because of Facebook. Facebook has... It obviously has more users than anything on earth, right? Than any other uh, company on earth. It's like, I don't know how many billions or whatever. And it knows all your friends and who you're connected to. Th- imagine this. You go to buy a product, it shows you all the ratings that people you know gave it. Mm-hmm. So now you don't just see random ratings. Oh, absolutely. You see, oh, my buddy John gave it four stars mm-hmm. and Adam gave it five stars. Justin gave it you know, two stars and Justin wrote it. Like, I trust yeah. these people rather than these random Reviews. That's what makes Facebook even more crazy. Yeah. When you talk about who who has got the most analytics and the most detail about oh, people, God. Facebook trumps them all. I know. So Amazon has- it's almost they dangerous. Scare me. Yeah. Amazon is one of the scariest because they flipped the funnel upside down. And on top of that, they have the cloud space. Uh, Google owns the uh, searching for everything like that. So that's what makes them so dangerous. Facebook has the most information on the most people in the world. That's what makes them so fucking dangerous. I mean, that Apple is like what Apple's doing is innovative. And if you talk about a brand like 
that company well, is... Well, it's not really innovative anymore. Well, I mean, it's it's a luxury brand. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's it's, it's now, innovative in different ways. It's, yeah, 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 in different ways. It's it's the it's the Louis Vuitton of... It's an accessory. Of, of tech. Let's yeah. be honest. Apple is... is yeah. a, an iPhone is as much of an, as an accessory as it is a phone. Oh, it's well, more. Well, the phone is their only <laughs> product anymore that, that mm. is bringing them revenue. So, I mean... Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't make money on their, on their laptops? No, or? it's all... All around the iPhone, like that's that's one hundred percent. Well, like, and they just keep bringing it up too. Yep. I mean, it's getting more and more expensive before it gets, and people will still buy it because yeah. it, it stands for something. If you have an, if you have, It'd be interesting to see how you know what happens with their their cars. Well, they're really putting a lot of effort into that. It'll be it will be interesting because I I foresee what I foresee with it because they've branded themselves as a luxury brand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if Google hits the market first or they hit the market first with the car. It doesn't matter because Apple will have a better one. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. I totally. see. That, I see you're going to have two options. You'll have the Google car coming around or you'll have the Apple car coming around. But I'll pay. I'm an Apple guy, so I'll, and I'm luxury guy. Damn, did you guys I, ever think? Did you guys ever think when you were kids that? Staple car brands like Ford and Chevy and Toyota. Oh, would never would think. would would be challenged by randomly new, like just new. Yeah, you you know how hard it is to enter the car market back in the day. You know how many people tried and failed, oh, yeah. and you had the staple manufacturers because nobody trusted other brands. And I guarantee you, right now, if Apple came out with a car right mm-hmm. now, a shit ton of people would buy it. Tesla's oh, already yeah. proven that 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 they could come in. They'll make Ford turn into like Palm Pilot. You know what I mean? Oh, remember that's you know BlackBerry. BlackBerry. There will be like this bell curve with it, right? It will. There will take some time for because you will have a lot oh, of people yeah, that that will push back and mm-hmm. will you know the old cars and you know I'll be the first to admit like I like my cars and I wouldn't I don't want to be driving around a self car. I want to drive my own car. Like, but I I know that I'll conform eventually. I know I will. I can't wait till I can't. I don't need to drive. Yeah. Well, bullshit. yeah. Once they started to make them look a little bit better, right? Like, all we had was like the Prius forever, that fucking ugly yeah. ass piece of shit. Well, that's why. I, <laughs> that's why I think like I think Apple will push the boundaries on the luxury side of that. I think Google will be the more efficient, cheaper version. And I th- and I, and I think Apple won't give a fuck. They'll just be like, you'll drive an Apple car because you're an Apple person. Yeah. You're different. That's their whole mantra. Right? That that's, is. That's their mantra. It works. Be yeah. different. You know, and that's the whole reason why people still pay yeah. five, six hundred dollars more inflated on a phone. That you oh, can today, still I mean is perfect example the the 10 dropped right and i'm in the store and it's like these people are just shelling out you, they don't even have them in stock yet they're shelling out what is it like twelve hundred dollars or something for for a phone crazy yeah, a phone like, that will be what a phone that will be obsolete in a year yeah a year or two yeah you have to but they're still like i mean they're they're like starving for this that's there's crazy. a lot of people that are just like super excited. Well, about and that. where crazy. they're more brilliant, they get guys like me, right? So now they do this, like, so I just I have the six plus, and I just went in there the other day because I'm going to get the X, mm. and I asked them, I said, "Am I done paying this off?" And they're like, "No, but what you can do is in November is because you haven't paid it off, you can return this phone back, yeah. and then it'll just keep going on your payments." So I basically leased this phone from them, and I and because I, I will do it that way. I what I should do if I'm conservative with money is continue paying this till I own it. So you mine. own it. And now you can just yeah, trade another one. Right. But because yeah. I want the newest one, yeah. I'm going to give this phone that I've been leasing for the last two that's years. Crazy. They and got you. Yeah, and they and now they get a phone that's in perfect condition that they can turn around to and resell if they want. Right. I mean, or just use the parts. You, know, you better believe forward. I'm not the only one that's doing that because yeah. it's just it mm. makes sense. It's like I I have like I think uh, ten yeah. ten months left yeah. till this is paid off, and it's like fuck, I don't want to wait ten more months because by that time yeah. the next one's coming out. You know, I've been reading about the post phone revolution, which some people are speculating is going to happen within the next like 10 years, where what's going to come after the cell phone? Oh, they, the belief is that all hardware will be gone. There won't be all cloud. Hard, yeah. Everything will be cloud-based and instantaneous. We won't have... So all hardware will be eventually gone. Holograms. But here's the thing, though. The companies that will do that are the ones we're talking about right now. So yeah. I feel like Apple will be ahead of that. So Maybe. You, know. you never know. You know, here's the thing about yep. tech that's really interesting is it... Uh, because it's such an open market and it's so competitive, shit flips so fucking quickly. Like it wasn't that long ago that, you know, like there, there's certain companies that were like, they're going to dominate. Next thing you know, they're gone. And the next one comes in. Amazon has flipped the freaking search funnel on its head. Nobody would have anticipated that five well, years no, ago. Yeah, but you got to understand. And then that, you can argue that, right? And this, the book, the four that gets into this too, is like, you know, who will there be a fifth one or is mm. it more likely that someone will come in and over dom- and, and over dominate one, oh, one of the original four? Here's, here's what you need to be hmm. careful that, for. That it's, was so innovative and in what they, all of them yeah, have done. Yeah. 
Like to wow, like that would be a monstrous uh, overthrow if somebody could do that. I just don't see it because they're they're in a position right now that like look what they do already. Like they you just see have what, money and muscle, WhatsApp, Instagram, yeah. YouTube. They all they all those those big the big four when they see one of those companies they up and come, yeah they buy them. Oh, they yeah. throw they throw fucking two billion or whatever dollars. So at could it. you imagine then if yeah. you have come all these major companies at some point Google Amazon whatever all come together and then consult like buy all become one. <laughs> And control everything. Well, that won't happen because, because they have different cultures. They have different cultures and they have different philosophies. They'll keep. Yeah. There's no need. There's enough people in the world to keep them all separate, and they all dominate. They'll all be many countries. Yeah, they'll be the. There will be like four. They'll be the because Apple and Google. They're all reaching worldwide, so there's plenty of space to dominate the the, the world, dude. Crazy. Yeah, it's gonna mm. be that way. You'll It'll see. be interesting. Here it comes. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, first question is from Shannon Bougie. Have you heard of cutting weight apparel? Curious on your thoughts on this miracle wear. Shannon is a friend of mine. Okay. So oh, yeah. Yeah. they, uh, what is this? Do you know anything about? Yeah, this? I do. It's and you guys do too. It's no different than Spanx or any of those other. It's all these different uh, undergarments, like sweet sweat undergarments that women wear to to lift <laughs> their butts that? up, to push the boobs up, to, uh, to okay. suck your fat in on your waist. Like the, it's a it's a gimmick. There's, you, you are not uh, reducing body fat by doing this. If anything, the ones that are extremely tight, like your waist trainers, and we talked about this before just recently, is that you atrophy muscles. I mean, if you if the stuff that's really tight, if it's super tight and it's wrapping around muscles, okay, and it's working like a cast, it's going to atrophy muscles because if it's working like a cast, the muscles that are responsible to help support or move the joint that's closest to it no longer have to work, and so then they basically atrophy, go to sleep, atrophy. So, I, so I googled cutting weight clothing, and I what came up was well, what came up was this cutting weights uh, like neoprene weight loss sauna suits that came up too, where you put on. Remember these? These it's so funny. How- well, look up Miracle Wear. If you look up Miracle oh, Wear, okay. you'll sauna see suits. you'll see what oh, yeah. what it is. So Miracle Wear yeah. is a brand that carries like all of this stuff. It's funny because and they just they're just in fitness. You you tend to get yeah I see that. So in fitness you get this like rehashed mm-hmm. technology like yeah this shit's been around forever. It's been uh, around forever. The what I just said the sauna suit where you wear it around you and then you get you sweat out. Yeah, you know. I uh, keep waiting weight. for the one where it's like a belt that just shakes the shit out of you. But like, like the yeah. like the old videos. Yeah, those, they, they you know, my them. grandma owned one of those. No way. Yes, she. I, I'm so angry too that I didn't realize the importance of it or how cool it was until I she was gone and I was much older. Yeah. Because that that's an artifact. That's like a real. That, oh, that yeah, used to be in a, gyms. Yeah. Well, back the, in the day, back legit. for the people who don't realize who don't know, and I don't even know what they were called, but back in the day in these gyms and like the. 50s and 60s, it was like a weight loss tool. And what you did is you, it was a machine with this belt that was attached to it and you put it around your waist and then it shook the fuck out of you. Literally, it just shook your belly. <laughs> and that, well, the theory was that it shook the belly and then you lost weight somehow. Which I don't know how they got shaking. that. I don't know how they got that <laughs> that that meant that connection there. I just remember that, and then the old video of that like fat guy with the goggles and like the Getting cannonball hits with- <laughs> right in the stomach. It's like <laughs> so. What makes me curious about this stuff, and why I even picked the question, because it fascinates me, is this has been around forever. There's nothing revolutionary about Spanx or these any of these outfits that basically tuck fat away and perk up the areas that you want to perk up. That's been around forever. Nobody likes false advertising. They, they market yeah. it in all these different ways now what i'm curious about because i feel like never have i seen so many 20 year old 30 year old people you know 40 year old people investing this this was common to see your grandmother you know you walk in you see your grandmother she's got this full body suit on she gets out it gets undressed and grandma's not naked she's in a full body suit that she's you know that's holding everything together it's got her boobs up it's got her (laughs) butt like it's a full body suit right to help her out i mean gravity so yeah yeah. right so it's actually a very common thing it's been very common and popular it's been around for forever as well i mean it goes all the way back to corset days right so this goes way back yeah it doesn't make you lose fat any faster it'll change recruitment patterns which is not a good thing 
it'll make you look temporarily leaner while you have it on because you cover you then you put your clothes over it and it's like wow look how flat your stomach is but you've got this external piece of clothing but think about you 15 years ago when you go, okay we've been trainers for over 15 years remember when you first started nobody ever talked about this stuff like this no, was it's, even a, yeah it's, it's this it's this new it's funny because you know what it makes me want to do not that i would do this because again i have too much integrity but if i didn't let's say i was like uh like dr integrity i would go back in time and i would find old diet methods and tools of that got were popular in the 60s and i'd rehash them mm-hmm. and sell them and i bet you they'd sell like crazy mm-hmm. like just like the you ever seen the belts that people on put on their abs the stim that make your you know stim yes. belts that make your abs contract oh yeah they've been recycling that shit for fucking 40 years mm-hmm. every like 5 or 10 years so it'll come out. I'll see an infomercial. Yeah. I just got a message about- Are you about sitting one, on the couch? Yeah. Why not build your abs? At the same time. I just got a message the other day from someone saying, hey, does this really work? And I want to tell them like, you know, the first time they came out was like 1960 yeah. something. Right. And it's all bullshit, right? So I, I would love to go back in time and, and find some of this old stuff. In fact, we should do it just for fun yeah. and see what see if people will buy into it. You know what they used to, you know what the, some of the original weight loss pills were? I think I might've told you guys this a long time ago. Speed probably. No. He's worse. What? Worse than that. <laughs> Some of the old... So you could literally find... I could probably Google it and find right now ads that were in the back of magazines and stuff uh, for weight it's loss like pills yeah. that contained tapeworm eggs. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> well, you get a tapeworm. You get a tapeworm and lose weight. <laughs> and and it, you, they would sell you these pills. Oh, uh, ugh. You'd give yourself tapeworms and... Yeah, you fucking lose weight. You got a fucking parasite, dude. Yeah. Really? Stealing all your nutrients. Yeah. That really How's your worked? worm training yes. going? Yeah. How's your worm yeah. training? <laughs> <laughs> about to shit mine out, actually. Yeah. I doubled up this yeah. week. Yeah. Not <laughs> even joking. Not even joking. I did not know that. Yeah. That's uh, me. We should find some of those ads. Yeah, let's not uh, show the video. Next question is from Aristotle Daphnis. Is there any added benefit for training beyond the 10 to 15 rep range for muscle hypertrophy? If so... How do you determine which body part to train with higher reps? This is an interesting question because there's a, first of all, once you get kind of beyond and it's not the rep so much that matters as much as what's going on inside your body that changes. It's not like 10 is the magical number or 15 is this magical number. And all of a sudden you go 15, you were building muscle and boom, you hit 17 reps. Now you're not, you know, it doesn't work that way that you would still build muscle on 17 or 20 reps. But as you start to push up the repetitions, it now becomes more uh, aerobic. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're getting closer to aerobic and you're getting out of anaerobic. And if you ever have ever done 20 or 30 reps of something, it's very hard, especially if you're doing a big muscle, right? If you're doing yeah. a chest, a back or legs, your heart rate is going. I mean, you're starting now you're, you're getting closer to what you feel like when you jog or power walk on an incline on a treadmill than if you're actually lifting weights. That's really what... The difference is it's not this magical number of, oh, when you lift 10 reps, you're in hypertrophy, and so that's the best. Yeah. It's, it's, I did 11 reps. I ruined yeah. it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So No, I think so. So here's the thing. There's a few different signals that tell your muscle uh, to build, one of which is the signal that your muscles will get from fluid that pumps into them when you get the pump and the waste buildup that happens when you're doing higher reps, which is the, the waste buildup is what gives you that burn. So, you know, you're doing a, like a, a high rep set of curls or whatever, and the muscle just burns like crazy. And it's a totally different feeling than when you're doing something heavy for like five reps or four reps or six reps even. That burn feeling, that pain is coming from the buildup of waste, which is the byproduct of that movement, that repetitive movement over and over again. Now, that waste sends a signal to your muscles to build. Now we take advantage of that with occlusion training. In fact, that's what that's one of the main reasons that occlusion re, it, that's theorized that occlusion training works is by allowing that waste to build up much faster with lighter weight, and so you get this muscle building signal. So there's that. There's also the pump that comes from higher reps. It's much easier to get a pump in a muscle if you train in the 20 rep, you know, rep range than if you train in the five rep range. Just because of the amount of you know repetitions, every time you squeeze a muscle, what happens is you, you every time it contracts, it squeezes out the fluid and blood. Every time you extend, it tends to let more in, and you repeat this over and over again. And you end up pumping blood into the muscle more than comes out, and that pump itself also sends a muscle building signal. And I'll tell you this much right now: if you think twenty rep or you know fifteen or twenty reps doesn't build muscle, 
and you're somebody that always trains in the sec- six to eight rep range or oh, ten yeah. rep range, It'll make a huge difference. Yeah. Change it for two weeks because this signal will it'll wear off eventually, like all other signals do. But for two weeks, just train in the, in the fifteen to twenty rep range and watch what happens to your muscles. You will see growth. Happens to me every single time uh, I work my legs in this higher rep range because I'm so. I love low reps so it's much. Super taxing once you make that shift. Oh, uh, yeah. I love I love low rep squats so much, and so I tend to overdo the low rep squats. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'll switch to like ten reps or you know twelve or fifteen well, reps, are, and my legs grow like the next day. You know, I love that you brought this up because this is kind of like these little hacks that are hard for me to explain when people ask like mm-hmm. specific questions, like, "Hey, Adam, I've got Vegas in three weeks. What should I do?" <clears throat> if I was in a situation where I'm at, you know, three weeks out from Vegas and I'm trying to make my body change and and adapt the most in that short a period of time. Typically, when the way we've structured maps or what we tell people is ideal is, you know, over a course of three months, I'm going through all these phases. Now, if I'm looking for the greatest change in the shortest amount of time, I'm going to I'm going to send a a signal to my body that is as different than mm-hmm. what I'm currently doing. So like Sal gave the analogy, if I was doing singles, doubles, triples, or five repetitions, jumping all the way over to 20 reps, yeah. I'm going to see the greatest change in that short period it's of time. Be dramatic. Yeah, it's going to be a dramatic change. And then vice versa, right? If I've been yeah. doing that 15, 20 reps, and then I'm looking at a time frame, I'm like, oh, I only got two weeks. Mm. I need to do something with my programming to continue to get the greatest change in my body. I'm going to go the other end of the spectrum. It's pretty much those two factors. You know, like uh, if you want to like, focus just on like two things that will massively, you know, impact you if you, if depending on what you tend to lean on more, do the exact opposite. Right, right. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why low reps uh, as a trainer, typically women respond way better to low reps. 100%. It's not because their bodies are genetically wired to respond better to low reps, but it's because they are typically afraid of heavy weight and low reps. So when I get a female client you know, when I ask them about their history, inevitably it's, oh, I did, you know, 20 reps or 15 reps and all these different body weight exercises because I didn't want to get built, you know, bulky or, you know, all the, all the, all the myths that surround exercise. So then I'll have them do a whole power phase. Like, okay, all we're going to do is we're going to train between, you know, three to six or seven reps. We're going to go heavy and their bodies just poof, change. Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm, you know, uh, the miracle worker trainer. I find that, yeah, like you mentioned power, just doing like explosive fast twitch movement without like loading it even, like just having people respond. Like they're, they've never even used their muscles like that, like in some cases, you know, so it's just like, whoa, what's my body doing? Now this, the second part of the question is how do you determine which body parts to train with higher reps? So I'm going to flip this question on its head right after I answer it real quick here. Uh, Any body part can be trained with higher reps. But if I flip it and I say, which body parts do I train with low reps? You can definitely train all, every body part with low reps, but it's not as conducive to train heavy low reps for single joint type exercises. Like it's not really conducive to do like singles and doubles for curls like you would if you're going to do a row Great or a heavy point. pull Great up. Point. But with, when it comes to high reps, you could train anything high reps. It's just keep in mind, you're gonna if you go over 15 reps with like a barbell squat or a deadlift, uh, go real light. That's a uh, that's because a, you're going to be fucking. Exhausted. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, and and I will. And a very rare, and that literally would be just I'm trying to shock something. But you're right. There's no way I'm doing a bicep or a tricep exercise, and I'm doing three to five repetitions. No. Like you'll just never see me doing skull crushers for three to five reps. Like now, not to say that you can't. And not to say that if you always train 15 to 20 reps for that, that might not be a bad idea to kind of throw that in there. But like you said, it just they, doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. I mean, you're, you're going to overcompensate. And you're doing an isolation movement for a very small muscle and you're loading it really heavy. It's t- really tough to not allow these other secondary muscles to kick in and actually Yeah, you're take probably over. better off if you want to overload your biceps and triceps with heavy, heavy weight. Just do like a heavy pull up or a heavy, you know, close grip, uh, you know, bench press or heavy dips you know, body weight dips type of deal, then, then you'll, then you'll do better off. But yeah, high reps, anything you can train any body part with high reps. Next question is from Thomas Lopez, 83, who is asking for leg workouts for bad knees. He has knee pain when doing lunges and squats and can't kneel for long. So he's been doing a lot of machine work for legs. He is six, three, 230 pounds. And he has lost 130 pounds over the last three years. First off, uh, ankle hip mobility. Congratulations on the 130 pounds. 130 pound weight loss is incredible. That's life life changing. 
big dude, that six is, foot three. Substantial. Good job. Uh, definitely, you're already sounds like you're in pretty close to probably where you want to be uh, weight wise, especially if you got some good lean mass on you. So, total congratulations to that. Now, uh, you, you know, bad knees. This is one of those ones where I really get in. I used to get into clients when they would say stuff like this. It's like, do you really have bad knees? Or do you have bad mechanics? And because of that, it stresses your knees. And so you think you have bad knees. Because if you had bad knees, you would know you have bad knees. You probably have to do surgery and you have to get new knees. But most people that think they have bad knees, it's because when they go to do a movement like a squat, like a deadlift, they instantly feel this stress in the front mm. of their patella or their knee or what inside of their knee or outside, whatever. They feel this pain. Yeah, because I wonder what machines he's using. He says machine yeah. work. Like, what is he doing with Probably leg extensions and leg yeah. press. You know, leg extension places a lot more stress. No, it, it, it absolutely does. But what? Yeah. So if somebody who has bad mechanics and squatting and stuff like that, they're going to feel the stress for sure. You, Justin you, touched you, on it. Uh, I'm sorry. Justin yeah, touched on it right uh, away. With well, it. yeah. I mean, it's a, it screams a, a mobility issue, like uh, from the very beginning, or stability. So uh, both those factors, um, you know, I would I would definitely look at if it's interrupting, it's disrupting your ability to maintain motor control. Um, so what? What do your mechanics look like first? Like uh, your, your knee is just supposed to be able to hinge, right? It, like everything else, like your hips, when it starts to rotate, you know, externally, internally, we're going to look at the hips, uh, you know, the ankles, um, you know, where are you placing all of your load? And let's look at that and kind of work our way uh, up from there. But uh, well, yeah. I, I know right away being a six foot three, because I'm six foot three and we're actually the exact same size and weight right now. So I'm six, three, I'm normally about two thirty. I'm walking around about two fifteen right now. But so six three, uh, you have really long levers, and most people that are tall end up not squatting because of mechanical breakdown, right? And it's normally start right with the foot and ankle, because mm -hmm. that was the biggest game changer for me. Was I did not have the knee travel, I did not have the ability to take my knees over my toes. So then when I went to get in a squatted position. It was my ankles that were limiting how far my knee could travel, and then that's what caused the stress in the knees. Yes, because I didn't have the ankle mobility to allow this tr this play back and forth, and this is something that you can absolutely get back. Um, I have completely changed my squat in probably about a. Year. I mean, I've been working at it for a good solid two years now, but it took about a year before. It really, really made a major difference. And you need to live in Prime, man. This yeah. is MAPS Prime for you. This, If you do not own that program, you need to get that program. I guarantee it'll change your prime life. Prime and Prime I, Pro. I, I, well, I it just reminds me of when uh, we had everybody here and Dr. Brink kind of took – um, somebody threw like how to assess like your ankle mobility. So you had a stick that you used and uh, you're in a kneeling position and the stick is right out in front to kind of give you a guideline of how far out your knee can travel over your toes. And then if they can't go very far, you know, that's your, your limitation and we need to work on that. Well, and you know, so... The thing, too, is we don't know specifically what's going on here because... Yeah, we're speculating. We're speculating yeah. because we don't know enough information about you. You're saying you can't kneel for very long. That may be like pre-patellar bursitis. Uh, it may be chondromalacia. So you may have some issues with your knees, especially considering you know the other information that we have here is that you were... At one point, you were, you know, yeah, did you have three hundred and sixty trauma pounds. or anything? Well, he's three hundred sixty pounds, yeah. so that might cause some yeah. problems. But he, my advice is going to be the same regardless. The, my my advice yeah. is going to be regress back to movements you could because a squat and a lunge. Well, you heal with movement. Yeah, exactly. You you heal with movement, not by just sitting there. Yeah. And squats and lunges are both relatively advanced, uh, especially if you've lost lots of weight and you don't have good mechanics. So. Scale it back. So what I would do with someone like this, if squats bother you, is I would take a chair that's relatively high and I would practice sitting down and standing up in the chair. Sitting down by sitting the hips way back so you can stick your butt back and then sit down real controlled. Don't plop down on the chair and then come back up and practice that. Another thing you can do is you can get a really low step. So maybe one that you know comes up to your shin and practice single leg step ups on there or maybe even one that's lower. Like regress yourself way back, mm -hmm. practice and work your way so to be able to do squats and lunges. That's Sal being nice. I would never. I wouldn't do that with you. I would. This someone like you this. Punch I, him in the I, knee. Well, no. The, yeah, <laughs> someone like this, and and, and this is hurt? something something that I've changed. Like I was not like the. I think now, it? ten years ago, um, I would do what exactly what Sal just said is I would find modifications and other exercises that I would regress you that I know you could probably perform and do because it would. It, I'm not putting your knee at risk, and that's what we were taught as trainers when we first started. Now. Me now, 
I would say, listen, squatting and lunging is something we're going to get to. And that's the end goal. The goal is to be able to do a beautiful squat, to be able to do a beautiful lunge and knowing that you're nowhere near there now and we're going to put the work in to get there. Mm. And the movements and the exercises I'm having you do has nothing to do with leg exercises that are going to work your quads and work your hamstrings. Yes, they'll get worked, but what I'm working on is all your mobility and the lack thereof. Yeah. So, And I'm going to take MAPS Prime and Prime Pro and I'm going to address every single joint in your body, especially in the lower half since we're addressing legs right now. And I'm going to work on your ankle mobility. I'm going to work on your foot yeah. strength. I'm well, going to work pain on your... Is, yeah, pain is already an indication to regress on some level, like to, to address it, you know, and how are you going to address yeah, don't it? Avoid it. Yeah, don't no, avoid it. No, no, I think you misunderstood. Don't try and work I think you it. misunderstood me. I'm not saying that's all you're ever going to do. No, I'm, I, I'm, not, even, I'm your... not even, no, I'm not even letting you do that. I'm not even letting you do that. And that's, you know why? Because the way I look at it now is I, because you know what will happen to those people? They'll do those exercises and they won't do what really is going to help them. They'll skip out on the things that matter the most and they'll do the things that they can do now. Oh, I, I, th- I just think it's all part. It's all, I mean, I think correcting those imbalances is very, very important. I think regressing uh, in combination with some of those corrections is important. I think slowly progressing to the point where you can get them to do squats and lunges, that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal. But if you don't have Prime and Prime Pro, um, I, I, besides hiring a trainer who knows what they're doing and watching you and training you and assessing you, the next best thing that's far less expensive would be a program like Prime and Prime Pro where you can do a self-assessment mm-hmm. and address some of these issues yourself. And over over a period of time, you'd be very surprised. I, I've had so many clients who could literally... I, I trained a doctor, uh, an osteopath. This was, a, this was a, a knee surgeon who came to me and said, I don't, I don't lunge. My knees don't lunge. Sorry, I just don't lunge. What do you think we were doing six months later without pain? Lunging. And it was all because we addressed a lot of these immobility issues and yeah. they were able to, to function and move uh, and finally be able to do some of these awesome exercises, which is the case with most people. It's very yeah. rare that you run into somebody that you address all these issues and you fundamentally just can't do the exercises for whatever reason. Oh, very, very rarely. I mean, you get we get off the toilet every day, right? Yeah. You sit down on a toilet, you get up off that, you sit down at a dinner table, so you, you're squatting, you know what I'm saying? What it is is, is you squat with no chair to sit back on and you actually have to mechanically control yourself Yet you just don't have that yet, and it's it's okay. It's very fucking normal. It's especially for people that have kind of beat up their body for a really long time and not taking care of it. I mean, shit. I took. I've been training for fifteen years, and I had to completely regress all of this and eliminate all these movements, and then work on all the stuff that we're talking about right now with the ankles and the feet and the hips, like. Mm-hmm. This is, and you you got to make this a priority. You have to make it something. Do not settle for not being able to do not being able to do these movements. And what I mean by don't settle is not push yourself to do the movements. Push yourself to get to the point where you can do it pain free. Yeah. And by doing that, we need to address the joints that are out. So if you have the knee in the middle, I'm looking to the ankle and I'm looking to the hip because those two joints are probably immobile. And that's causing the stress on the knee. It's not that you have bad, unless you, again, we're speculating. If you tell me, you come back and say, oh, I have a, well, even yeah, if a you fractured do, patella. Well, you like you got to understand where your limitations lie and where, you know, where the pain starts to come in, in place and like what, what that, um, that angle is like all these factors to, um, then give you that kind of a feedback. So now if I work on mobilizing, you know, my hips or my ankles or my feet, I want to reassess and see, you know, how how this is translating to to the movement. I, even if you do have an issue with your knee, even if you do have, you know, yeah, still uh, yeah, bursitis, right? The reason why you probably have that is because of the dysfunction in your uh, again in your ankle and in your hips. So even if you do have a problem with your knee, correcting these issues will only make it better and sometimes will eliminate the problem. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's completely gone, even though you were diagnosed with. You know, Contra Malaysia. I just I just shot a YouTube video today talking about, and I would definitely, if you were someone who was really overweight, I'm willing to bet that you have an excessive pronation in your feet. I bet you money that your feet are pronating. I guarantee that the peroneals are tight, the IT is tight, and it's pulling the fuck out of that knee. And it's already you're it's already stressing and pulling on the knee. Then you go to squat. It's not tracking properly. Yeah, it's yeah. not tracking properly. Your femur's slightly internally rotated, so you've already got it. Everything's all locked up and tight. And then you go to squat, and then it just feels you feel this sharp pain probably in your knee. And it's not bad knees. It's the mechanics and everything else that we need to fix, which is a, you can. You definitely can. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. prime, prime pro. That's where you need to live. That's it, man.
All right. Next question is from Eddie, the coach. How would you incorporate plyos as prescription for clients? Wow. This is, um, I think the only place you actually see them is uh, uh, performance. That's in, in our programs? Yeah. Mass performance. Yeah. What, what clients would you even prescribe plyos to? Because I'll tell you what I see all the time in the gym. I see trainers, first of all, using plyos wrong. Yeah. It's just a way to get people fatigued. I burn calories. And I see people doing plyos that have no business doing plyos. Yes. At all, like the average right. person. Well, there's, I mean, there's just a lot of prerequisites that I have to get through before I even think about programming plyos into somebody's, uh, you know, routine. It's, it's such a joint integrity thing for me and a responsiveness and a stability, like all the above. Like you have to establish this awesome foundation to where we work our way. Like you have this, this great strength foundation. You, you, you can respond to different, all different types of forces at once. And you can, um, you can actually, uh, like we did the anti-rotation series. Like you can actually like prevent things from rotating while rotating simultaneously. I mean, it's pretty complex. Like, so that's why if you, if you look at like NASM, which is a certification that we have all kind of recommended as a good starting point. Um, I mean, they don't, they don't have that. You don't get to that till the, you know, the very pinnacle of, of the pyramid of, of their progression Specific, of phases. Specifically for athletes or yeah. athletic training. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, I think they're close to fucking worthless. I think plyos have very little place in programming unless you have a specific goal that's, that requires it. For example, somebody who is trying to increase their 40-yard dash, somebody who plays on a football field and is explosive left or right, so an athlete, someone that you're, that's actually an athlete right now that is trying to approve upon their, their reaction time, their pro proprioception, they have specific goals pertaining to that. Mm. If it is an average client, in my opinion, they have no – what you're trying to accomplish through plyos – I feel I can get that in almost uh, or so many other ways for the average Janer. And the reason the reason why Adam's saying it's it's a waste of time isn't because it's risk versus world. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's just a high risk. Yes. Versus very little reward. Very, it, even if they even if the client is mechanically sound, you're not getting these huge crazy gains out of no. it. Not no. not what most people want. Most people come to you if you're a coach, if you're a trainer, right? Most people come to you and they're looking to lose body fat or build muscle or yeah. feel better. Maybe they want to like increase endurance or like that, but you can do all those things without plyos. You don't need to increase endurance, stamina. You don't need plyos. Now, now people are going to wonder why do trainers always, why do I always see trainers have people jump on shit and do, because it's fucking, it's fun. It's maybe it's cool. It's yeah. cool. If it's you, fun. if a tra if you see a trainer doing jump boxes repetitively one after another, and you see them do more to than fatigue. more than five repetitions, they don't know what the fuck they're doing yeah. they don't know what they're doing especially if you're trying to train if you're trying to train vertical on somebody so i was okay so i was doing this yesterday i was doing plyos yesterday i'm sitting here talking about how plyos are worth this i was doing them yesterday <laughs> but i'm actually i have a specific goal that i'm trying to obtain right now and i'm and it, it's related to my vertical and you see me do three I do three explosive jump boxes, yep. walk down, go, I'm doing something else. I come back, three explosive jump boxes, I'm done. That's it. It's not to fatigue. I'm not gassed like crazy. Yeah. That's not the You're idea. just trying to get better at exploding. Yeah. That's yeah. what pliers well, is. Well, and just to, yeah, exactly, to, to kind of connect to the central nervous system. And, and like that's the ultimate expression of you know being able to accelerate and, and speed. So to be in a controlled um, movement and be able to have and maintain, to be able to decelerate it quickly. To It's just super complex. And, and you guys are right. Like it's, it's not something that I would like take with my average person. Like here, it you're takes, ready for this. It it's, takes strength, power, and stability. It's really it an takes, athletic It takes endeavor. all three of those. And, 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 some, and, and a good, decent amount of proprioceptive ability too, yeah. because you, yeah. you could get someone with, you know, good stability and strength and all that stuff. And they'll fucking trip or I mean, fall that, or land wrong because they're not coordinated. Yeah. I have heard some physical therapists prescribe it as like this is this is something that they is part of the recovery process because they're trying to stimulate that um, they're trying to stimulate this fast twitch movement and get things. Yeah, to, but when they're what, what are they jumping on? They're not jumping on anything. It's probably yeah. in place. It's very small. It's very controlled. Very but. controlled. The way I would incorporate it, if I did incorporate it, here's where you don't necessarily want to incorporate plyos at the end of a grueling workout. It's probably the I would say probably the worst place to put it because the person is fatigued. You're not going to get much out of plyos training at the very end when they're tired, except for maybe building more endurance from the exhaustion factor. 
I would say plyos should be around their own workout or at the beginning of a workout after you've done proper priming. Well, and they should be specific to the goal. Like, you know, you, you uh, Susie, who's 38, doesn't need to be doing jump boxes unless she's a basketball player. Like, what the fuck does she need to increase her vert for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the, 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 again, the risk was important. Now that, and I know I'm saying that, and I know there's fucking a bunch of people that love plyos that are listening right now and feel totally offended by this. Listen, if you're a fucking supremo athlete and you, you're about pushing your body to new limits, and, and that is, like Justin said, like, that's the pinnacle. Like, when you go through stabilization, proprioception, you go to strength, you go to power, the pinnacle is this ability to do plyometric reactive type of training like so yeah I mean if you're somebody who's just all about the human performance and you're wanting to press your body to these ultimate limits then yeah you work your way up the ladder get the, get all those other things get all the prerequisites done to where you can handle pushing the body but for the most part I, I, I can count on two hands for sure because I definitely have trained enough athletes to where I use plyos but very, very few did I ever, ever train. I did. So I trained myself with plyos for a little while when I was doing uh, competing in jiu-jitsu, but it wasn't the same kind of plyos you typically see in the gym. Like I wasn't jumping on boxes and stuff because I'm a grappler. Mm. So what I would do is I would go and to the- can't jump. Yeah, I would go to the field. I'm, I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm not bad. I would go to the field and I would throw things. I'd do you know, a suplex with a, uh, you know, a heavy bag or yeah. I'd throw right. a kettlebell. Yeah. Right. See, throwing cool. is good. Yeah. You want to maintain throwing right. patterns. If I had a, so if I was training you and you were a jiu-jitsu guy, I could totally see taking the big old 100-pound sandbag and having you yeah. hook it over your one shoulder and then hook yeah. it over the other shoulder and do like this kind of explosive plyometric work with something like that it makes sense because you're going to be throwing people in the mat so that's when i if you're going to do plyos just make sure the movement pertains to whatever this person is really trying to accomplish which and i think where i'm trying to what i'm trying to state is that most people that are trying to do plyos or prescribe it in a w- routine they're just trying to prescribe it in a routine oh it's it's you ever seen the pictures of people well, they'll post like purposeless you'll, you'll see like crossfit athletes or crossfit People who train CrossFit will do this. They'll post pictures of their shins because yeah. they they hit the jump box yeah, at they, the end of my wad or whatever. Shins, yeah. Like you should not do plyos to fatigue. It's not a you're not getting at least. You're, I mean, you can if you want. If you want to well, make your endurance training dangerous, you know yeah. that's what yeah. You well, can you do. you may as well jump around in circles and flail your arms all over the place yeah. too. I mean, that's the same. You're getting those same benefits. <laughs> right. I mean, it's the stamina endurance. <laughs> stamina. I, yeah. I used to tell people that like you really want to do that. Well, you can also just flail your arms, turn around in circles, and do somersaults and just act a fool. In fact, that actually might be better for you. That yeah. actually, because it's less risk. Like fire drill. Like and and more muscle. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just, yeah. if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for increased endurance and stamina, there's better yeah. ways we, to do that. We put plyos and MAPS performance at the, uh, I think we put it at the in the middle, right? Or no, right? Yeah, uh, no, it's the third phase. Third so, phase. Yeah, but right that, prog- endurance. that program is specifically, again, for people who want athletic performance. And we even say in there specifically mm-hmm. when to use them and if you shouldn't use them to decide. Because... We know as trainers, again... And the reps are low in quality. That's it. And quality is very, very important with plyo. So hope that answers your question. Check this out. Go to YouTube. Uh, we posted a new video today. I think it's the one with Adam acting crazy. Uh, Mind Pump TV, MPTV on I'm YouTube. Such a freak. Also, if you go to mindpumpmedia.com, you can find all the programs that we talk about. And you can enroll yourself in 30 days of coaching for free. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.